Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined this week by my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, as we are here to talk about some pretty uh, interesting news that's come out over the last week in the world of pro wrestling, so we're just going to dive right into it. And, of course, the first thing we'll talk about is the surprise appearance of The Rock this past Friday on SmackDown as Pat McAfee and Austin Theory were in the ring together doing a uh, segment, and then The Rock came out, ran uh, pretty much verbally ran down theory and then took him out with the people's elbow. And then of course there was also an interview he was doing where he talked about how at one point he kind of had a handshake agreement with WWE Roman Reigns, whoever that they were going to do rock versus Roman Reigns last year at WrestleMania. And then it ended up falling apart. So of course that again, once again, led to leads to speculation that, Rock versus Roman Reigns is the possibility of happening at WrestleMania 40 next year in Philadelphia. So, of course, it's the perfect time to throw that out there. Um, I'll go to you, Cam, first. Just what were your thoughts with everything that's happened with The Rock this week so far? Well, I tweeted out uh, that, you know, if you watch the Young Rock show, that you knew The Rock uh, took a lot from Hulk Hogan when he was starting to come up. So I think he took a page out of Hogan's book this week and just lied his fucking ass off. Um I was just making a joke. Of course, I was popped for it. You know, like the Rock coming back, talking smack to Austin Theory. It was great to have the Rock around. But, you know, again, there's a little bit of sometimes a little bit of bitterness from a fan's perspective and things like that, because the Rock, you know, you have Cena and you have Goldberg, you have Edge, you know, you have all these <coughs> all these guys that have come back to pro wrestling throughout the years. And the Rock, you know, outside of a few segments and the back to back matches with Cena hasn't really done anything. And what the better part of what, 10, 15 years? Um so there's a little bit of bitterness there. And, you know, like if the Pat McAfee show wasn't in Colorado because Colorado was playing Colorado state, blah, blah, blah. Does the rock even appear on SmackDown to that, that night with Pat McAfee? I mean, I say fat chance. I think that the scheduling just lined up where they were doing um, the Pat McAfee show and college game day in this, in Denver where SmackDown happened to be. And so the rock was like, yeah, I'll make an appearance over there and pop the crowd. And of course, you know, says that him and the Roman was supposed to be the match at mania last year. And, you know, who knows, because Cody was, you know, it seemed like Cody and Roman was the plan for quite a while. You know, we kind of speculated, oh, it could be it could be Rock Roman. But then it turned to turned to Cody real quick, like four or five, six months before Mania even kind of happened about five months before. So, I mean, I think this year with the way the bloodlines, you know, basically broken up, Jay Uso's on Raw. Um, if they don't do Rock Roman now. Uh, I don't think there's ever going to, it's never going to happen. And if it does happen two, three years from now, it'll just seem weird and totally missed their chance. But I think this year is, it's kind of now or never with the rock Roman match, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the peak of it, the, the, the good spot to hit it would have been last year where the bloodline storyline was just going full swing. And like you said, now we've got, we've got Jay over on raw. We've got, you know, Roman who hasn't been around since pretty much SummerSlam. Uh, you know, the bloodline storyline is kind of fading a bit. So they would, to me, at least personally, I think they would have to really re-energize it to get it going, to get Rock Roman interesting again for WrestleMania. And I know I've been on this bandwagon, and I think most of us, both of us, all of us have, is that I don't want to see it for the title because we all know that The Rock is not winning the title from Roman Reigns because, you know, that would entail The Rock having to be around more. And, I mean, granted, Roman Reigns isn't around a lot now, but he'd be around probably more than The Rock would be. I mean, and sure, it would be a good 
you know, a good ratings for the WWE. It would get more, some more casuals back in, seeing The Rock fight Roman for the title. And then, you know, Roman just gets his ultra win. And then whoever beats Roman at some point down the line gets even a bigger rub. Uh, but for me, I'm to the point, I think, where if I had to lean one way or the other, I would personally be leaning against wanting to see it, especially because I don't think Roman's dropping the title before Mania. I mean, I doubt he would anyway, but I think I saw he wasn't even advertised for the Royal Rumble. So to me, that limits the possibilities of Roman losing the title before that. I don't think Damian Priest is cashing in his Money in the Bank contract and beating Roman Reigns. That's not how they should beat Roman Reigns. Uh, but if something were to happen and Roman were to drop the title before that, fine, I'll go ahead and see Roman versus Rock. But if it's involving the WWE title my interest of it just goes even further down than it would be right now even if it was just a straight on singles one-on-one match uh chairman what are your thoughts on everything involving the rocks this past week yeah it's quite the surprise because i was watching smackdown and one tv was playing Baldur's gay and the other and then you know pat mcafee's on i'm like oh that's cool i didn't realize they were in colorado until i kind of put two and two together and then all of a sudden the rock comes out and i'm like told the wife like we gotta stop the game the rock's here we gotta we gotta see what the rock's gonna say you know what the rock's gonna do it was was pretty cool i mean it's been forever since we've seen him on a wwe program and you know yeah so you know he he didn't really do a whole lot i mean he talked about the theory kind of his usual shit stick you know it's it's cool and all it was fun and then you know i think he embraced john cena backstage you know so maybe we'll get rock cena three at wrestlemania instead of rock roman um but yeah i mean I don't know what's going to happen with uh, WrestleMania. I, I agree. It's either 40 or never because, you know, I think Ross is getting older and he didn't look so great in the ring against uh, Cena all those years ago. And, you know, if a lot more years have passed by. So it, Rock and Roman Reigns, I think, would be fine, but definitely not for the title. I definitely agree with that. And maybe The Rock, you know, cost Roman the title or, you know, main event JU. So, I mean, there's, there's ways to do it. You know, Cody, whatever you want to do, however you want to get there. Uh, we got we got time if we're gonna do it, but um, you know it's gonna just be a one and done too. I mean we don't see the Rock again, so who knows? But uh, there's a lot of uh, question marks with uh, that. And is he in the Hall of Fame right now, The Rock? I don't think he is, isn't he? No, I do not believe he is. So maybe they induct him this year, and then maybe you play a whole storyline off of that. So Roman gets jealous that he's on the taking over the table, and that's how you get your WrestleMania match. Yeah, and of course, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that we still have the writer's strike going on in Hollywood, so everything in Hollywood's kind of come to a screeching halt, and if, you know, that gets settled anytime soon, I think people are going to be ramping up, you're going to get people, productions ramp back up, and I I don't know what The Rock is committed to at this point, but I could see that, you know, obviously affecting his schedule as well if they have to start putting stuff into a tighter schedule in Hollywood once the writer's strike ends. So who the hell knows how that will play out. But yeah, like you said, it was a nice, it's a nice pop. I was watching the Maryland football game and I was, wasn't even flipping back and forth. Cause I was actually watching it on a small TV out at a uh, bonfire. I was at, and I go, oh, shit, the rock appeared on SmackDown. I watched his segment that I, some of his segment on Twitter and I saw the whole thing when I got home. But yeah, I mean, obviously I can't criticize them for an unadvertised appearance of the rock. Like, like Cam said, he was in Colorado for the Colorado, Colorado state game. That is pretty much why I agree with you. The only reason he was probably there, I think, if that wasn't such a coincidence, it probably wouldn't have happened. Um, I don't get people saying how it buried Theory when people have been saying for the last six months that they were sick of Theory on TV and it did nothing for him. I mean, the John Cena feud did nothing for him and he's been still around and this isn't going to change either. So, I mean, we all agree Theory's needed for a complete repackage in the near future. And this segment didn't change his my, this segment didn't change my thoughts on him one way or the other. 
Um, but back to on uh, more WWE stuff, we have another more than likely uh, move from AEW to WWE and kind of a surprise, it's kind of surprising, but at the same time, it's kind of not. But I think to me, it's surprising because there was just nothing about this at all until the last like five days when all of a sudden it came out that Jade Cargill is likely WWE bound and leaving AEW. She had her last match uh, at Rampage against Chris Statlander and... There were rumors all week that she was going to show up at the Performance Center, and I think I saw something yesterday that she was spotted at the Performance Center, and the WWE is already working on storylines for Jade Cargill to come in to the WWE. Uh, kind of makes sense why she hasn't been on AEW TV a lot lately, I guess, Uh considering we don't like i said but nobody knew anything about her contract expiring i don't remember anything coming out like normally you hear rumors about this for a while i mean there were all <coughs> excuse me there were always rumors that wwe was interested in jay cargill and they were first interested in her before aew and you know but she wanted more of a family life and the WWE said well we're going to be your family now and that just rubbed jade the wrong way then she went to aew and now, you know, after her long TBS title run, now we're here with her likely WWE bound. I'm going to assume main roster bound, probably given the star power she had in AEW. I'd be very surprised if she went to NXT. But, um, Chairman, I'll go to you first on this one. Just your thoughts on Jade leaving and what it means for, I guess, her and both companies in general. Definitely a surprise. Like when I started seeing the reports of all this happening, I was like, wow, this was definitely something I did not see coming. Like her streak, her winning streak, you know, for the last, how long, you know, until it was broken recently by Chris Ratlander. I was just like, you know, okay. She has this really impressive streak, but she really hasn't beaten too many people worth talking about except for a few, you know? And then we kept talking time and time again, like when's she going to challenge for the AEW women's championship? You know, she was the TBS champion forever. And it's almost, like, really weird how they never gave her a women's championship match. Like, we talked time and time again how the AEW women's division is kind of on the struggle bus. You know, they kind of hot potato the title between a few. Dr. Britt Baker's always involved in the match, a.k.a. Charlotte Flair. And, you know, it's just kind of like, it is what it is. But it's like, you know, and Jade has improved. You know, she's a great promo worker, you know. And, you know, her ring ability has improved, I feel, in the last, you know, during her duration of AEW. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, We've given the most random people a shot at the AEW Women's Championship, but we're not going to give one to Jade Cargill. I, I mean, if I were her, I'd be pissed too. I mean, I don't know if she's pissed, but she probably is. But, you know, then here's the other question is, I wonder if Cody Rhodes had something to do with her leaving and if he's using his power to, you know, pick the people off the AEW roster that he wants to bring to AEW, WWE or people that he recommends. You know, they had that mixed tag match with Shaq and his wife, Brandy, you know, a long, long time ago, if, I'm, if memory serves me right, or is that Red Velvet? I don't remember. That was a long time ago. I'm fuzzing the brain still. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what she does. I mean, I heard rumors that she'd go right to the main roster, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see where she would go to Raw or SmackDown. But I think uh, it'd be interesting to see if she comes off as a face or a heel, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of questions on how she's going to be portrayed but um, it definitely has my interest. Yeah, I mean, like you said, her promos there, I mean, she'll learn how to work the WWE style. I mean, I think 
WWE, you know, quote unquote, I don't know if they have styles anymore, but like, I think she would be better under the tutelage of a WWE kind of style, whereas AEW's got, uh, AEW's a little different. You got to admit ring wide. WWE's way more structured. You have more freedom in AEW. Um, and yeah, like you said, she was slowly improving. I was still never the biggest fan of her, but you can't deny her presence when she gets into the ring, the kind of star power that she has. I mean, she just commands attention whenever she's on the screen with the look, the body, the presentation. I am not going to be surprised. I think I would have to guess she's probably, if I was put putting money raw or SmackDown, I would say she probably would end up on SmackDown only because you have Rhea, you have Raquel, you have now you have ugh, Naya on Raw. You go to SmackDown, you can start a feud with a, a Bailey. You can start, hell, a feud with Charlotte Flair. That's something you can look into there. Um, I think, you know, she obviously would get more people over on Fox. But I agree with you that the Cody factor may have something to play with this. It's the same reason why people think that when Ricky Stark's contract is up, whenever that is, he could be WWE bound. And, of course, I think it was this past year at the Royal Rumble, he was backstage there with Cody. Um, so that's not surprising. I've seen whispers and rumors. I don't know how credible they are that Wardlow might be somebody that could be looking to go to now, considering Wardlow hasn't been used in such a long time. But I think Jade is a good star power presence to the main roster, women roster, assuming that's where she goes. I don't know. Wrestling-wise, I don't think she'll, quote-unquote, improve much. But I think just from a talent perspective and um, a star power ability, Jade will definitely improve the WWE women's side of things on the main roster. Uh, but Cam, what are your thoughts on Jade Cargill potentially going to WWE? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I agree too. I think she goes to SmackDown. I think she's already a top two, three player on SmackDown right off the bat. Her debut. Um, this is like a drop, dropping the ball moment type from AEW. You know, kind of wondered she hadn't been on TV forever. Comes back, does two matches, and she's out. Um, was this like a contract thing? You know, it's one of those things. Where we'll, Maybe we'll know, maybe we'll hear rumors or half-truths of the reason why she left AEW. But, you know, she, you guys mentioned, was the TBS champion for forever. We talked about, okay, put her on the, put her up with Britt Baker and everyone else that's at the top, and let's see what she can do and see if she can carry the actual AEW women's title. Never did that. She hasn't been on TV. So one of those weird things that, I don't know, who never knows what we'll see. I mean, I feel like... Tony has shifted his booking so much in the last like year <clears throat> to where a lot of guys, you know, if it wasn't for Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara would probably be on this list too of uh, guys that have kind of just floundered out. You guys talk about Wardlow, <clears throat> Ricky Starks making a comeback because him and Samoa Joe basically have to carry collision now. Um, so he's making a little bit of comeback, but there's a lot of guys in AEW that are kind of starting to slip through the cracks and could go to NXT, could go to impact. You know, we'll start seeing some, some wrestlers flush out of the AEW system here in the next year or so, I assume, because all these people probably signed three, four-year deals at the beginning, and I believe we're headed towards year four of Dynamite, if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good for the WWE. I think it gives people gives them a little bit more star power on SmackDown. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see her first feud with with Charlotte Flair, and let's see what she can do. You know, like come in with a bang and start from there and work your way up to EO and everything else like that. But you know, I think I agree. I feel like she kind of fits WWE style more, so to speak, um, as far as like structure and presentation. And she can get like big money presentations, you know, like they do with Bianca and things like that. So I think it's good for her and it's good for to switch things up on the WWE, the WWE side. 
Yeah, and it's an added boost to the women's division. Like I said, it's new feuds for everybody in there right now. Um, it always helps. We always talk about one of the things about WWE is that it seems like at women is everybody's feuding like kind of like in a circle, and Jade just can break that circle just by being there. And like we said, like having feuds with Charlotte, having a feud with Bianca, having a feud with Damage Control, it's all right there for her to take advantage of. And I'm wouldn't be surprised if they kind of I don't know if I want to say throw her to the Sharks right away, but go ahead and throw her in there right away with the top women and say, okay, let's see, let's see what you got. We know you can promo and Charlotte's somebody that can, you know, she's obviously, you know, WWE one Oh one. She can help Jade. She can work through matches. They can work stuff out. It's all right there for them to work. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, despite what you think of Jade's wrestling ability, the fact that how big of a push they gave her, it is a pretty big blow to them to lose maybe their most marketable woman outside of i mean hell i would say she's more marketable than uh, dr Britt baker i think like we i've seen jay do more star more kind of interviews for press uh, i've seen all that like you said she had the shack match so uh, all of that there i think this is something that you know you take away the most marketable woman you have in your division uh and it's kind of a big blow for you and that leads us into our uh, next topic that we'll talk about here, uh, that over on the WWE side of things, more on screen, we had Becky Lynch win the NXT Women's Championship uh, last Tuesday while we were recording uh, from Tiffany Stratton in a pretty good match. I watched it. Uh, I have to say Tiffany Stratton's definitely improved. Uh, since I saw her last, uh, definitely held her own in there against Becky Lynch. Promo-wise, she's good, too. Uh, but this kind of leads us to the bigger thing of what WWE seems to be doing nowadays, and that is integrating more people that haven't had spots or haven't had a lot to do on the main roster and kind of sending them down to NXT to, whether you want to say help ratings, you whether you want to say help uh, the people in NXT out there. I mean, we saw Dolph Ziggler, what was it, last year or two years ago, go down there and fight Braun Breaker for the NXT championship. Uh, but now you got guys like Baron Corbin down there. You've got Dominic Mysterio down there as the NXT North American champion. Um, you've got Baron Corbin doing a program with Braun, Braun Breaker, where he's actually a babyface trying to stick up for what I think I saw what he, uh, Braun did to Von Wagner. Um, I mean, you got some people down there like a Dana Brooke who doesn't really do anything for anybody. Uh, you got Pete Dunn, not Butch in whatever tournament. I forgot the name of it. They're doing down there in NXT. So, uh, they're slowly, uh, but surely integrating, you know, some superstars in and out. And um, I think it's kind of working for them. I mean, it gives guys like a Pete Dunn that wasn't really doing anything and gives them something else to do over on NXT. Um, you know, hell, nobody really wanted to see Baron Corbin on Raw or SmackDown. Now he's down in NXT. I mean, Mustafa Ali's down there too. Um, I think it's a positive thing to do for, you know, WWE, NXT, and everybody down at NXT in general is that you get some people that have had main roster experience, send them to NXT for a couple months, almost like, you know, I guess you, I don't know if you want to call it like a rehab assignment, but like these guys go down there, they kind of, you know, keep going. And then if they have something uh, else for them, when in a couple months they can come back up and rather than not do anything on the main roster for a long time, they were able to get TV time every single week on NXT. So I think it's a positive what they're doing uh, for them. Uh, what are your thoughts, Cam? I guess just on Becky winning the women's title and just the integration of main roster people down to the NXT roster. 
Well, first of all, I think it's a good idea that WWE does that because, you know, we've talked about it plenty of times that ever since the NXT boom period kind of flatlined, you know, and more of the top indie guys kind of stopped existing for one. AEW was starting, so NXT kind of tailed off a little bit there. You know, the Undisputed Era, that was pretty much it. <clears throat> that NXT kind of needs this. You know, you have Carmelo Hayes, you have Braun Breaker, you have Tiffany Stratton, you have some people down there that are worth watching. Grayson Waller, who's now up on the main roster. Um, there are some people down there worth watching, but it wasn't like must-see TV. So whenever they put down Dominic, Becky, you know, tomorrow or tonight, they're having Dominic and Becky both on the show. So that should draw a pretty good rating for them. I think it's smart to do. Um, Becky going down there, I want to say she's floundering, but she's kind of just hanging out in WWE. She's trying to research herself back up, and you know, we'll, and I'll revisit her again later on in one of our segments. Um, but I always think it's a great idea. Finn Balor's done it. You know, there's been a plenty of people that are do it. Baron Corbin has, I don't want to say relegates to NXT, but I think that's a good spot for him. He's a good mid-card, upper mid-card heel down there in NXT. You know, he was an NXT alum. So I always think, you know, it's a great idea where guys that are, not really doing too much or, you know, kind of just need to give them a jolt up the ass or something like that to, you know, jumpstart their career again, send them down to NXT, let them heat themselves back up with the top talent down there and see what they can do. The little crossover. Now that you have Carmelo Hayes kind of popping in here and there, Dragon Lee is facing Dominic Mysterio next week on raw, which should be a good match um, on any on, on raw. So that's really good for Dragon Lee. So that's, I think that's kind of that relationship's kind of working. So I always think it's a good idea. And NXT kind of is like a little bit of boom period where they can bring these guys over and have a little bit of crossover on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT means that their top guys are being developed and, you know, they're not this indie guy from Ring of Honor or that indie guy from New Japan. It's WWE talent that they've brought in and developed, and I think they've done a pretty good job bringing out like the four or five, six uh, people here in the last couple of years. Yeah, like you said, it's good to have some of these NXT guys as well. I didn't even mention that bring up to the Raw. Like we had Carmelo Hayes appear with Seth Rollins for a few weeks. Like you said, you got Dragon League coming up to fight Dominic Mysterio on Raw this coming Monday. Obviously, Tiffany Stratton made a couple appearances before her match with Becky. I'm, I think she was at Payback and the Raw after. Um, so it's good for them to get exposure like this. I think Grayson Waller was on uh, Raw or SmackDown before he came up from NXT too. So it, it's good to mix things like this together, and whether you watch NXT or not, to kind of just give everybody exposure on how you know, NXT works compared to the main roster, how the main roster works compared to NXT. So when it comes time for a permanent call up, they're like, okay, I, you know what you're getting into there. Uh, Jim, what are your thoughts on the NXT w, uh, main roster integration? Yeah, Becky winning the title was uh, pretty cool because, you know, it's kind of like the one NXT achievement she never accomplished. And, you know, now all the four horsewomen can say they've won the NXT championship. And I saw Bailey kind of jab at her, like, oh, he finally did it. it. took you long enough. And then Becky chimes back, well, you know, I did it faster than you main event WrestleMania. I'm like, oof, Becky, Becky not holding back. She's always got something to say. Um, but, you know, the crossover stuff's good because when NXT went to the Splatoon era 2.0, I pretty much zoned completely out. And I think that whole transition went terrible. And because you take a whole roster of new developmental people that – only like the crazy diehards knew who they were beforehand, if at all. And, you know, it's like you guys said before, you know, AEW kind of came to life. So any top independent act was kind of getting sniped up by them. 
and you know the NXT black and gold there that we all loved you know they would pick up every independent guy and I can go on all day of how many guys they've picked up you know in that boom period who are pretty much killing it on Raw Smackdown right now but you know they had to do their thing and obviously the Splatoon era was not very good and then they rebranded again and I haven't come back to it honestly but you know it's definitely good that they're using guys like Dominic Mysterio and Becky Lynch and then all the other guys like you guys were saying before like the Baron Corbis with Saf Ali so there's something for them to do on Raw or Smackdown it's a good thing for them to go down and mix it up with one of these NXT potential hopefuls, you know, give some veteran mentoring, you know, programs and stuff like that. Like I remember when Tyson kid was not back and, you know, he went back down to NXT, like, you know, facing Neville and those guys went back, 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 you know, he can go look up at the Peacock and check that stuff out, you know, and that kind of gave Tyson kid a rejuvenation to his career. You know, he came back and did the thing with Cesaro and Natty. And then, you know, unfortunately he had the injury, but, you know, you know, the NXT thing was good, you know, back then. It still is now, you know, guys like Dom, you know, doing his thing, just building his character. Cause you know, on Raw and SmackDown, the kid came and talked without getting booed out of the building. So there's not as many people that boom out of the building in NXT. So I think it's a good thing to kind of mix and match, uh, you know, the main roster folks with the NXT folks. I mean, it's definitely a lot better than that goddamn Splatoon era. Yeah, and plus then we've got, you know, we talked about forever how WrestleMania 40 seems like it should be Rhea versus Becky. And here we are now we can have Becky around NXT for a month or two months. And then we don't have to worry about, you know, how are they going to keep Becky apart from Rhea for this long? And of course, Rhea's probably got Nia Jax to deal with now too, unfortunately. So we just pray that Nia doesn't injure Rhea uh, before we actually get to Rhea versus Becky. But that is how you keep Becky away. You know, okay, hey, go have Becky do an NXT program, have her work with Tiffany Stratton, have her work with Cora Jade, have her work with Roxanne Perez, you know, just the list goes on and on. You can go ahead and do that, and then Becky can come back and maybe be a potential Rumble winner, and that's how you get Becky versus Rhea. But it's also a good way to kind of separate them like that because, you know, Becky finished her, her summer-long feud with Trish, what do you have for her next? All right, let's just go ahead and have her go down to NXT and kind of work with the women down there, considering she's our top woman. So that's how you go ahead and do that, and it's a positive thing for everybody involved. I think we can all agree. Um, little backstage stuff behind the WWE right now. I saw a report uh, earlier this week that, you know, we talked about LA Knight last week, how his contract, he possibly signed a new one. Apparently he didn't. Apparently now people are saying they're still fall up far apart on money, excuse me. And the same thing goes with Drew McIntyre and Edge, whose contracts are coming up, I believe, at the end of the year. And they're trying to figure out a ways to resign and trying to, you know, get money to work the right way so they can get these guys resigned. I don't know if it's too big of a deal, at least in L.A. Knight's situation. I mean, I'd be stunned if they let him go, considering how they're starting to push him on SmackDown, like we talked about last week. Um, but Drew McIntyre and Edge is a little bit different. I mean, Edge is somebody who I kind of feel like has done what he can do in WWE. There's not really much left for him, I think, to do there. And I think a lot of people kind of assume he might be AEW bound with Christian over there. And considering that's where he would plan on going before going to Vince and saying, hey, they made me an offer. And Vince said, well, come back here, pal. We'll do it here. Uh, and honestly, I could see it where I think the return on edge probably wouldn't be worth the money i mean to me i don't think money's that big of an issue with these guys and with wb i mean they just got sold for nine billion dollars they're making a shit ton of money every year they can 
pay whatever they want. But I feel like Edge probably wanted to be one of the top guys paid-wise in WWE. Yes, he's a legend, but I don't know what else he could do for them. And like I said, his return, at least for me, really wasn't all that great. Uh, it's fine, but it wasn't anything like a big returning superstar, I think, could have been. And then, of course, there's Drew McIntyre, who I think is interesting because he's a guy that probably, I guess, if you want to say, quote unquote, wouldn't fit the AEW mold, but would be an interesting get for them just to say, hey, we got, you know, Drew McIntyre, a guy you pegged as your next big star who beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, was your champion coming over now to AEW. That would be an interesting name. And another again, another name where what does he have left to do or prove in the WWE? So um, I'll go over to you, Cam, first on this one. Just your thoughts on those rumors and then, you know, what each guy could potentially mean in WWE or AEW. I mean, I'll start with Edge. I mean, Edge, have we've, we've kind of talked about it plenty of times about, you know, has really been kind of lackluster in the kind of the dropping of the ball, the judgment day. I think that happened too soon. Um, so, I mean, if he goes to AEW, like good for him, you know, that'd be good for AEW to have him do like a little run. Maybe he comes in after Daniel Bryan does his year swan song and then he can come in and do a year or something and have, matches everyone he will have a match with other than Chris Jericho will be will be fresh so I mean if he wants to do that you know that's good for him um Drew McIntyre I mean I feel like you just talk about like money not being an object I don't it's not like a salary cap issue here it's not like we're talking about the NFL like it's it's pro wrestling they can do and pay these guys whatever the hell they want so with Drew McIntyre I'm not sure it's a money issue because I'm sure he's a millionaire millionaire several times over with the WWE um He's main evented, hell be it a, a COVID WrestleMania, but he's still main evented at WrestleMania. I'm sure he got a nice payday from that and everything he's done throughout all the years. <clears throat> I think maybe to Drew, it's more a matter of are you guys are you going to actually book me right? Am I going to be, you know, seek my seek my teeth into this kind of stuff, or am I just going to kind of hang out? And you know, he's been decently involved with um, Raw the last month or so, and I think Raw's actually been. It's been a nice change of pace because Raw there for at least a month was the same six man with Cody and Sammy and Judgment Day or Imperium. It was the same thing for a while. And now they've kind of freshened things up. This past Monday's Raw was actually a pretty good episode of Raw. One of the, you know, I watched it all the way through and didn't actually, you know, TiVo it. I watched it all the way through last night. Um, Really good show. So I think with Drew, I think it's a matter of, you know, are you guys going to book me, put me back, at least back to a position where I can face Seth Rollins for the world title because Drew easily could. He can be easily heated up. Um, and as far as LA Knight goes, I think LA Knight, we know we've kind of talked about before, but probably some sort of developmental deal, NXT deal. He's severely underpaid for what he's bringing to the table. So just pay the man, flat, plain and simple. You know, we don't need to go over and spit the facts of merch and, TikToks and Instagrams and fucking everyone saying yeah and everyone let me talk to you and all that stuff. Just pay the guys, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with LA Knight. I mean, I don't think, I mean, it would be obviously be a coup if he went to AEW. It'd be a big get for them, uh, but I don't think he will. I think he knows that, like at his age, he can work a lighter schedule or light, lighter match style in WWE and still get over just as good. Uh, but Chairman, your thoughts on these three guys and uh, potential for resigning or going to AEW? I think they're going to do everything they can to keep LA Knight. He's basically a top merch mover. He's super over right now. Like, I think he's definitely the priority of the three if we had to go down that route. 
and then I think Drew would be two. Now, it's like you all said before, the money isn't the thing. I think it's the creative direction, and I think Drew is probably frustrated with the creative, despite what people may think or say, because let's be real here. Outside of Clash of the Castle, which was well over a year ago now, and that was his last pretty much chance at you know, a major championship. I mean, as far as world title scene goes, I mean, he did the thing of Roman, got screwed by Solo, and, you know, he hasn't been back in that area since. You know, hasn't faced Seth Rollins yet, despite the rumors of Drew coming back as a heel. That hasn't happened yet. And, you know, I sort of wonder if it's going to happen after what we saw in Raw last night, you know, just kind of ignoring Jey Uso getting the beat down in the ring by Judgment Day, only for Cody to make the save. So I think the Drew McIntyre heel turn's coming. Just got to be a little more patient, and I think it's much needed, honestly. Um, but, you know, again, you know, he has some intercontinental title matches. You know, he had a tag title match earlier this year with Sheamus. And, you know, there's some great matches between uh, Drew and Gunther and, and Sheamus involved. But it's like, you know, what's next for Drew? Because, like, I think the creative things might be holding him up. But then Edge, you know, you know, I love Edge. But, you know, I just really don't see where he fits in right now other than maybe – wrestling in an occasional premier live event and, you know, helping get some younger guys over, you know, which he's been kind of doing, you know, he kind of helped judgment day kind of get their start, but, you know, I don't know what's next for him. You know, if he goes to AW, you know, reunites with Christian and then, you know, they can team up and face the Hardy boys, you know, we can relive some glory and nostalgia and Tony Khan and get all moist, you know, backstage and gorilla, you know, if they want to do that, cool, whatever. Um, maybe Billy Gunn can get freaking Road Dog back and he got the New Age Outlaws freaking do their thing and maybe he can get the Dudleys out of retirement and fucking hell, let's have a fiddle four-way attitude era. Tony Khan would go crazy. But um, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, money talks though and I guess we'll have to wait and see. I can just picture Tony playing with his uh, his Jax wrestlers uh, from that era, the Hardy Boys and the Dudleys and the Edge and Christian. Yeah, and just He's just still doing it with ladder matches and tables and stuff, just jumping through the rings. I could absolutely see him doing that backstage. I'm still convinced that's how he books. He just pulls old wrestlers out of a bag and says, okay, you guys are feuding, going to have a fight, and that's how it's going to do it. Uh, but speaking of Tony Khan, we've got AEW Grand Slam coming up tomorrow night. Um, big matches, obviously, being MJF against Samoa Joe for the title, Soraya versus Tony Storm for the AEW women's title, John Moxley, Ray Phoenix for the international title, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Claudio against Eddie Kingston for a uh, winner-takes-all match for the Ring of Honor and the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Openweight title. Not a lot of hype going into this show compared to the last years, and apparently it's showing in ticket sales. They were offering buy one, get one, or buy one, get one half off. I saw last week for people in the area. Uh, but it doesn't help that we, we talked about EW's kind of in a creative rut, and this show itself just doesn't seem that big. I mean... Last year, you had John Moxley and Brian Danielson in the finals for the uh, the vacant AEW title. Of course, that was after Brawl Out. Uh, you had, you know, even on Rampage, you had a Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lights Out match. Um, hey, Hangman winning another Battle Royal last year on Rampage. Uh, so there you go there. Um, you know, Fatal 4-Way Women's match. Uh, Chris Jericho winning the Ring of Honor World title. Man, I forgot about that. Um, and then you go, hell, go all the way back to 2001. You had, that was the first uh, Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson match. That was Dr. Britt Baker fighting Ruby Soho in the main event. Uh, you had uh, Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes there. 
Uh, you can go back to Rampage. You had John Moxley and Eddie Kingston against Suzuki Gun in a Lights Out match, uh, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, big stuff for there for AEW. And like I said, you just look at the this year, these matches just aren't that big. I mean, hell, look at Rampage. You have Christian Cage and Luchasaurus against Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, the Mogul Embassy versus the Elite for the six-man Ring of Honor tag titles, or six-man Ring of Honor titles, and the Acclaimed against the Dark Order for the six-man AEW World Trio titles. I mean, that's not a strong card. Where is where's Miro? Where is, you know, Ricky Starks? Where is Ha? I know these guys, a lot of these guys appear on Collision, but uh, where is your newly resigned QT Marshall? Why isn't he on the show? Um, just, it seems like a lot of, you know, just kind of, okay, it's there, where I feel like nothing really big is going to happen on the show. And that, of course, goes to the fact that you had All In, you had All Out, not even half a month ago. Uh, you're still dealing with the fallout from the CM Punk debacle, where, of course, I did find it funny where he was doing commentary for that MMA show and said he was free for the next couple months, pretty much hinting at the idea that he could be show, showing up in Chicago at Survivor Series uh, for the WWE. But, of course, that's just, you know, rampant Internet speculation with no facts. Um, you know, why not have Jay White make an appearance on the show? It just seems like it's a show that is... Like, kind of, like, I mean, Grand Slam pretty much is a big episode of Dynamite, but I feel like the previous two Grand Slam shows before this and Rampages before this felt like they could be pay-per-views, where I look at this card and I go, okay, some of these matches might be good, but it doesn't seem anything worthy to be, you know, AEW's Grand Slam. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chairman, on the Grand Slam, if anything interest particular, if anything particularly piques your interest going into the show? I will say MJF and Samoa Joe has potential because the way they built it, they spent time building it. MJF obviously is pretty much one of the key focal points in AEW, and he's basically featured every week on Dynamite. And the Samoa Joe promo was good a few weeks ago, and I think the match might be decent. And Soraya, Tony Storm, I didn't even realize what the hell's going on because I haven't really watched AEW lately. I didn't know Tony Storm was kind of gone off the deep end, so apparently there's a falling out there, I guess. Whatever. Uh, Jericho Sammy's got some interest. I kind of seen their, you know, riffs there, so they're finally falling apart. I don't know what to make of that, but you knew that match was eventually going to happen, so it's fine. I figured they almost want to save that for, like, a bigger pay-per-view, but cool, free TV, we get something worth watching. You know, and then you got, like, your Claudio, Eddie Kingston, you know, it's like Ring of Honor titles again. They're trying to put those on. It's like, can we just keep the Ring of Honor stuff completely separate from AEW? Like, is that too hard? You guys already have like 12 titles in AEW. Like, you have Rampage with literally two trios championship matches back to back. Like, what is that? That's 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 stupid. Um, Moxley Phoenix could be good. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not so interested in the championship match and that is how fast John Moxley's going to bleed. I mean, this is a decent card, but. Am I going to, like, break my plans on Wednesday night to watch it? No, I'll probably watch it Thursday morning and fast forward. There's things I don't care about. Yeah, I'm with you as far as the Ring of Honor stuff. I mean, I saw an interview with Tony Khan where he was talking about how he's working, like, 80 hours a week or something, and, like, this is nothing for him. I'm like, dude, like, 
come on, man. Like, you need to delegate some of this stuff. We need to figure out what's going on with Ring of Honor and get it its own show, get it its own wrestlers, get it its own, like, booking, you know, scheduling for arenas, stuff like that. We don't need it integrated into AEW. I mean, I know you've got four hours of TV to fill now, but save that for guys that you can, you know, book and AEW wrestlers themselves. Don't give it to Matt Taven and, you know, those guys and stuff. Uh, Cam, did anything pique your interest here going into Grand Slam tomorrow night? I mean, I will say that it's a better card overall than the all-in card that they kind of shit out you know, a week after all out. Um, so I think that's a good sign, sort of. I mean, you got the main event. Jericho, Sammy is just because they're brothers, but it's going to lead to more turmoil. But I have like a weird, weird feeling that they're somehow going to end up like um, AEW tag team champions or at least Ring of Honor champions and beat Adam Cole. I, some, some, some fish is going to happen. I feel like they, this is just kind of like their, uh, we're having a match to see who's the best, but we're still going to be friends and Sammy Guevara will still play the little brother type of role for a few more months because I feel like, you know, it's a Jericho program in AEW, so it has to go at least six or seven months or it doesn't truly count. Um, but everything else, I mean, it is what it is. I think you got FTR and Aussie Open, or is that the Seattle Dream Show that they're already trying to promote? Because that's like in three weeks. So they're, they're that just... is the, yeah, I don't see it listed on their page. That's okay, got to be the so Seattle that, Show. Yeah. Okay, so they are just banging out pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view, which, you know, if you read the rumors that eventually at some point they will show up on HBO Max, which has been the smart thing AEW should have done a long time ago, that if Tony Khan really wants to try to bang out these these premium live events, um, so to speak, every five, six weeks, he needs to move to a streaming service instead of um, instead of trying to do the $50, $60 pay-per-view standard thing that doesn't work anymore, unless you're like a big-time boxing match or something. Um, you know, and then HBO today, I guess they added, they're going to start charging a separate $10 for, um, a sports package, but it did include AEW at the beginning, but that's, you know, a side note, but you know, I mean, I think it'll be an okay show. I don't think anything humongous is going to happen, but it is a decent show. I'm interested in Claudio versus Eddie Kingston. I think that'll be a good match too. Yeah, I saw the same HBO max rumors too. Um, yeah, if you're going to do 12 pay-per-views a month, you know, Get it on something like HBO Max, get the back catalog up there of pay-per-views and Dynamites and Rampages, etc. So if anybody ever wants to go back and watch it, that's the smart thing to do. I mean, you to, you mean that's how the WWE has set the bar for this now, where it's like they're you're paying $10 a month for Peacock to watch premium live events, to watch old, you know, granted they have WCW, ECW, all of their old stuff there too. So it's a lot, but they kind of set the bar for that. And, you know, there are people like us that we just don't pay or can't pay $50 a month because, you know, the product's not good. We have other things to commit our money to. Whereas if you did something like a $10 a month, I mean, I don't have HBO Max, but if you guys got on HBO Max and it was, you know, 10 to $12 a month, I could live with that. And I'd be able to watch every single AEW pay-per-view then going forward. It's just a lot easier and it's a lot more economical to afford nowadays. And it's a smart thing to do. Um, all right. So uh, that is the main part of our show. And as I talked about last week, we are introducing a new to- uh, sub you know, topic when time permits. And it's called the top five. Last week we did our top five war games teams ever. Uh, this week we're just going to keep it nice and simple. Uh, just our top five current favorite wrestlers. No real criteria. Obviously, this is just the five wrestlers we personally enjoy watching the most right now. Um, Chairman, I'll let you go first on, on this list. Just why don't you give us your list of your top five? 
Well, I hate to break it to all the AEW diehards, but none of your wrestlers made my list. But um, I'm going to say my number five is going to be main event Jey Uso. I think, you know, him going to Raw, there's just a lot of opportunities and new stories to tell, kind of get away from the bloodline. And eventually he will get his way back to Jimmy, but I am really interested to see where Jake does with the Judgment Day. And speaking of Judgment Day, I got Rhea Ripley at number four. You know, she's she's the mommy, she's the boss. You know, she's pretty much the you know awesome women's wrestler right now. And unfortunately, she has to do a thing with Nia Jax now, so that's that's gross. But you know, WrestleMania plans, obviously, whether it be Becky or Bianca Belair, I'm definitely excited for that. Um, number three is Gunther. I think his Intercontinental Championship run has been phenomenal. I think, you know, he's definitely the final boss. He's being presented awesome. You know, just great matches. Just love that guy. Uh, two is Cody, because, you know, Cody basically is the charisma, the entrance, the pyro, the look. He just looks like a main event superstar. He's the guy. And eventually he's going to finish that story. And of course, number one is my boy, Seth Rollins. He's been killing it as the world champion, finally. He's getting his flowers. PWI finally gave him the freaking number one spot. I saw all three Shield guys made it, but I question Roman and John being in the top five. But that's just another conversation. But um, yeah, go Seth. You're my number one guy. Yeah, I kind of figured Seth was. I, I'm like, I, when I do this out there, I'm like, I know Seth is going to be number one on Sherman's list. But that's fine. Yeah, everybody's got, like I said, this is everybody's favorites. So there's nothing against that. And Seth has been very entertaining uh, over the last few months. He does not make my top five, though. Um, so my number five, I am still going to put, uh, I do have this, my only AEW entry, John Moxley on there. I still, no matter what, find time to watch what he does in AEW. I think he is very uh, entertaining uh, from that kind of perspective. So John Moxley is my number five. Uh, my number four is Cody Rhodes. Uh, I agree with what Chairman said. You know, Cody Rhodes, you know, his he just kind of commands your presence, commands what you want out there when every time he's out there. Um, so my number three is going to be LA Knight. Uh, as I said, we were, we were huge fans of his on this podcast and seeing his rise up the top of the, to the WWE like this and getting over with the crowd like he has, has been great. Uh, you know, I need again, anytime he's on TV, you know, something entertaining is going to come out. Uh, so it's a positive there. Uh, my number two is Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky is obviously now, like I said, on NXT, um, I've been a fan of hers. If you've been listening to the show forever now, I've seen her main event WrestleMania 35. Well, was one of my favorite things to see as a wrestling fan. Still find her entertaining. Uh, and like I said, the stuff she's doing on NXT nowadays is going to be good. So I'm glad that uh, she's down there doing that and kind of expanding her horizons. And my number one is Gunther. Uh, I think his wrestling right now is must-see TV. Uh, all of his matches are great. He hasn't had a bad match yet, and I hope the guy gets the recognition that he deserves and gets some kind of main event match at WrestleMania this coming year. Uh, so, Cam, why don't you go ahead and finish this off and give us your top five? Okay, so my list is I like all of these wrestlers, but I think mine's, mine's just a little bit different just based upon who I think has been the most fun to watch the last few weeks, month on television for wrestling. Um, and I had, it was really hard for me because I had to go, I almost wanted to go with like eight people, but I was like, I got to go at least bring it down. So I got to go with six. So my number six is going to be Shinsuke Nakamura. I think his heel work has been pretty good the last few weeks. It's been totally different from Shinsuke we've seen in the WWE lately. 
So I think that, you know, him and Seth kind of extending their feud is the right thing to do. Will he beat Seth Rollins for the for the title? No. But I think Shin's work the last few weeks has been very, very good. Um, number five, I'm going to go with Chad Gable. I think Chad Gable is the match him and Gunther. I think it's been fantastic. He's found his way through. They threw him and Otis together. Blah, blah, blah. Ha, this is a Vince thing. And it's turned organically super over him, Otis. You know, they're all over. The, the group is really working well. Chad Gable has been really great on the mic the last few weeks. I think he deserves um, another opportunity at Gunther, hopefully on a pay-per-view. Let these guys go 20, 25 minutes on a pay-per-view. Let them really see what they can do with each other. Um, so, he, yeah, he's going to come in at my number five. Uh, my number four is going to be LA Knight. LA Knight, you know, I think he has been fantastic the last few months. Um the match, the match, the match with the Miz was decent. It was pretty decent. Um, so I think that it's time for him to kind of let's keep things going. Let's move things up here a little bit. You know, let's let's uh, light a fire on everyone's butt here a little bit. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. My number three is gonna be Becky Lynch. I think we talked about it earlier with her segment. She has kind of went from not doing much on the on Raw for the last few months to kind of really reinventing herself not needing the Raw Women's Championship with SmackDown. She's got the NXT title now. You know, she's got the the Bex thing going. She's going to go to NXT. She's going to go on Raw. I think she's kind of refound herself a little bit. Her character and her momentum is really starting to go up. Um, now, my, my one, my number one and my number two are really hard for me because I feel like both guys deserve the number one spot. Uh, but I'm going to go number two, Jey Uso. I think Jay going to Raw has been great for him. I think that all the fresh matchups, you know, him and Drew had a really good match. <clears throat> I think that everything he's been doing involved with the Judgment Day. He's involved with Sammy and Kevin. He's basically the main event act right now on Raw, other than Seth, you know, and I think he's done a great job. Now, my number one, um, I didn't do this on purpose because I'm not an AEW diehard. If you listen to the show, you already know that for a fact. But I think that the ability to this guy go from nothing to heat it up so quickly to a main event match at a, you know, basically a television pay-per-view show, Samoa Joe. Um, Joe... Him and Punk, that match was fantastic. Everything that happened before the match, after the match, don't care about it. Samoa Joe and CM Punk in that ring together was phenomenal. It was a really good match. And everything he's done since then, now he has a world title match against a, against MJF. Does he beat him? No. But I think it, it shows how quickly you can heat up Samoa Joe and put him right into a main event program with only a few weeks because he is that good. And, uh, yeah, that's my top six. All right, and that is our show for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to follow up on AEW Grand Slam, talk about anything anything else that's happened in the world of pro wrestling. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we will talk to you guys then.